Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you. That was a good response. My name is Zach McGoy. I uh, have the honor to be able to host a community group um, at Genesis Church. So one of the things that I've noticed is that we've already hit that time of the year, right? Halloween has ended, much to my brother's chagrin. Um, and we've moved into this, this moment of it's already Christmas, right? Thanksgiving hasn't hit, hit yet, but what is Thanksgiving, right? It's Christmas time. Thanksgiving exists for Black Friday shopping, not for being thankful, right? And so all that to say, I've noticed that in the mail, we've already got our first magazine, our first toy magazine. When I was a kid, it was Toys R Us. Toys R Us would send the... Uh, the magazine through it, and we, I would race through it, and I would be circling what I wanted. Um, now it's Amazon. You know, I don't know. I don't know if I was a Toys R Us kid. I don't know if Amazon has anything like that anymore. Um, who knows? But it's funny because we got it in the mail, and that was Jonah's mail, right? My son, my oldest son, he's four. That was, in his mind, directed straight to him. As he's opening it and as he's flipping through it, this is what he wants. This is what he, what, I mean, shoot, Amazon, even though my name, I think my name was on it, in Jonah's heart and mind, these toys were to him. And it's such a funny concept because we're, we're going through it, and I remember, and I was excited about it. I was like, yeah, let's look at these toys that we can get for you and I can play with. But as I'm looking through it, it, it kind of came out, my, I'm thinking about this sermon. I'm thinking about the generosity that, that we are called to have as believers. And as I'm circling stuff with him that I want as well, you know, I'm like, man, you know, we tell our kids this stuff. We tell our kids that it's better to give than to receive, right? And Christmas is not just about the gifts we receive, but, but what we can give others. And so, you know, we, we have that conversation of not necessarily what you want, but what is it that your brothers want? What is it that we can give to other people? And, and it's so funny to me because that's not a native idea that we have. I don't think that's something that comes naturally to us. If we look at how the marketing is all done around this time of the year, it's, a, it's a, to a consumer culture, right? This is what I want. This is what will fulfill your life. This is what, if you just get this, this will make you happy. And as we're looking and as we're studying in Scripture, we see that, that that's not the case. Scripture has a different idea of possessions. It has a different idea of desires. And so... In this sermon series, we've been walking through community. What's the importance of community, right? What are some aspects of community um, that are present there? What are some dangers of community? Or not necessarily dangers. Dangers is the wrong word. But what are some discomfort, uncomfortable things that is present within community? So... This morning, we're going to look at generosity, true, true generosity, right? Because generosity is one of the things that, that from a worldly perspective, um, it's praised, right? Every time we look around, there's another article about this billionaire giving this much money away or this happening. And so from a worldly perspective, even those outside the church can get on board, 
with this concept, right? So what's the difference in that? Is there a difference between being a Christian and generosity and philanthropy? Or is it all the same thing? So as we turn to Acts, if you're not already there, we're going to be, that's going to be the first chunk of Scripture we're going to go through. Before we really begin, I want to let you understand something about this as well. When you're preaching or when you're, you're studying Scripture, if, if you were going to come up and speak on it, lead a Bible study on it, you have to preach it to yourself first. As I stand up here, generosity is not something that comes naturally to me. In fact, when my wife found out what I was preaching over, she was very quick to let me know or remind me, hey, Zach, what, what was it that you're preaching on? And then my response is, of course, you know good well what I'm preaching on, woman. But... That's just it. It's not something, generosity is not something that comes naturally through us. As we've looked at aspects of community in Scripture, I think it's very clear that they're only attainable, only, you're only able to really accomplish it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Generosity comes from God. Human nature says take, God says give, right? it's at odds with your flesh. It's at odds with who you are as a person. So let's turn to Acts 4, starting in verse 32. And we're going to look at a couple things. The first point that I want to make this morning is, is that within community, believers should be generous. Believers should be generous within their community. So let's look at verse 32. Once I find it, there we go. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said anything of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. So let's break that apart real quick. Typically, and even in the the intro that I gave, my mind goes towards generosity in regards to possessions, right? It's generosity. We're called to give financially. We're called to give um, of our stuff, let people borrow it, right? But Scripture is pretty clear that it's not just our possessions that we're called to be generous with. We're called to be generous of ourselves. We're called to give of ourselves, right? See, generosity should extend past our possessions. If we're, if we're looking at this, you don't just get this way by locking yourself in your house and not socializing with people. Again, I told you, this hits me right to my heart. To be of one mind, to be of one heart, that requires sharing. Not of our stuff, but of our lives. And, you know, that's the funny thing. For some people, I'm saying that, and you're like, yeah, it does, Zach. That's easy for me. You know, but sharing and generosity isn't just tied to our checkbooks. And for some people, it, it is. That's the easiest solution. They have, they, they have no issue whatsoever writing a check and being very generous with their possessions. But if you try to get to know them, 
They're locked up. They're away. They don't socialize. They don't, um, they don't share. It's safer in a lot of ways to be generous with our money than it is with ourselves. In fact, when Derek was up here preaching and he was talking about the discomfort in community, we were pre-warning you about that, right? We are saying that community, one, is great and cannot be replaced, but two, there's dangers involved in it. You can get hurt. And if you're opened up your life and you're sharing with people, that's what could happen. But we notice that, that in this picture in Acts that Paul is giving us, or that Luke is giving us, they're of one heart, they are of one mind. They are open with one another. They're making time for one another. For me, one of the hardest things for me to share is my time. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. That I can, I can give other things, but my time is off limits. I need my own time. I need time to myself. But that heart is not the heart of a follower of Christ. That heart is not what we see here in Acts. One soul, one mind, they were the picture of unity. Fred Rogers, I knew I'd get some, get it, get it. Yeah, Fred Rogers, which if you didn't know, my kids don't know who that is, but they know who Daniel Tiger is. Or as my middle son says, D Tiger. They're, the, they're based on the same people, right? Fred Rogers said, the greatest gift you ever give is your honest self. The greatest gift that you ever give is your honest self. And generosity, too, in this, it, it can move past even making time for one another. General, it can even move past being uncomfortable. It can move into being generous with people that we disagree with. Right? Think about that. I have friends in this church that we disagree on a lot of things. And they have been very generous with me. Instead of severing the relationship or, or pushing away from the table and saying, hey, I'm done. You disagree with me. We cannot be friends. They're generous in understanding and listening and hearing. Again, the heart is the human nature. The flesh is I want to be surrounded by people who are just like me. I want people who think like me, who act like me. And if you're not going to get on board with that, then I don't need you in my life. But the thing about generosity is, is generosity is not necessarily a mindset. It's, it's a who you are. It's a heart. It's a heart that comes from the Holy Spirit. When we're looking in, in Scripture, we see Paul in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. He's talking about how he shared the gospel with them. But listen to this. I'm going to read it to you. So being affectionately desirous of you. That's some sweet words, right? Affectionately desirous of you. We were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. Because you had become very dear to us. I want you to hear that. We were not just wanting to share the gospel with you. We were not just there to share the gospel. We were giving you ourselves. We were open. All the flaws. We were giving you our honest self. We were generous 
to the, to the point that you got us. You didn't just get what you could get from us. You got us. But generosity is not just about giving ourselves. It, it does trickle down into our possessions. Look at, let's look at verses 34 through 37. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what, we, what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So they weren't just giving of themselves to be united in one mind and one heart. They were going and they were selling their possessions to meet the needs around, of those around them. This last weekend, um, my family and a group of other families went camping. And my, we like camping, or I guess I'll clarify, my wife likes camping, and my kids like camping, and I like my wife and kids, so I like camping. <laughs> but as we're there, it was funny. The first night we get there, we get all set up. You know, we make sure we've all camped before. We know, we make sure that there's no trash left out. We make sure that the, the coolers are, are latched. Well, in the middle of the night, my father-in-law starts screaming. The raccoons, the raccoons. Rachel, they're taking your shoes, the raccoons. And it's just this, this madhouse. And we, we go outside or he goes outside because I wasn't getting up. I didn't care about the shoes. I cared about my sleep. And the raccoons had gotten to the coolers. They had literally opened up the coolers and took the food. And these raccoons, they were not new to this. They were fat raccoons. They were little butterballs. And so I know that they do this every time. But they took our food. And as we started talking to the other people that were camping, they actually took their food as well. Which, we're out in the middle of nowhere. That could be a big deal. But the beautiful thing behind that was, is that no one buckled down with what they had and said, this is ours and we're going to spare it. We're not going to spare it to anyone else. Everybody shared. They shared of their possessions. They shared of their, their food. And no one went hungry. I actually ate better because we had, like, our, our neighbor had some, like, sausage that was off the chain. And I got to eat that. And so it's easy in one regard. One, that, that's, to me, a picture of community. And it, but it's easy in one regard to say that. Um, and know that that was just for a weekend, right? Being generous with one another is easy for one time. It's hard when it's a lifetime. It's hard when it's every day. What we see in Acts is that there was not a needy person among the believers, that the community met the needs of those within it. What's more, what's more impressive to me as I look at it, they're not just loaning stuff to people, right? Because I could even get behind that. I could be generous in the sense of, let me loan you this, but you better pay it back. They're sacrificing their stuff for others. They're sacrificing their possessions. 
if one person had a field, they go and sell it and they give the money to the apostles to distribute. You're not getting that field back. You're not letting someone borrow your field for a month and they're going to give you your field back. And your field might be dinged up a little bit, but you still got it back. You are not receiving this back. And there was no expectation of that. They were not giving, expecting to receive. They were giving out of the generosity that was put into their hearts by the Holy Spirit. And Acts drills down and they give us an example of that by looking at Barnabas. If you look at verses 36 and 37, they say Joseph, who was called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Barnabas, as you, know, as you may know, will go on to be one of the, lead, the leads in the, the missions out to the Gentiles. And here we have this missionary submitting to the local church, allowing the 12 to rename him, giving his proceeds and trusting him with that. And it's highlighted in Scripture for us as an example of what this generosity that believers are called to be within their communities. And what's even crazier about this is if you were to look at the very next section, this is almost like, do this, and then the Bible gives us an act. This isn't going to be on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, you can see it. The very next chapter, the first part, is Ananias and Sapphira. Whereas Barnabas is giving, Ananias is being deceitful with what he's giving. And it's, it's crazy. As you look at that, you'll notice that, one, this community, they were not being compulsed to give they were not being told to give they were not being forced to give they were giving out of the love that they had and out of the love that they had felt and out of their love for each other but Ananias decides that he's going to sell a field his field he can do with it what he wants and then lie about the proceeds of it there was no, and, and as we see that, there was no reason for that, right? It was his field. He could say, hey, I sold my field, and I'm giving 50% of it to the church, right? But what he does is, is he sells his field, and then to look like a big shot, he gives 100%. He says, I give 100% of it to the church. And the rest is history, right? The, the Holy Spirit, Peter, through the power of the Holy Spirit, knows what's going on. Questions him about it. He lies again. And then it's like, boom, divine judgment, right? Don't pass go. Don't collect $100, $200. It was that instantaneous. And it's like these two examples are put together, right? An example of what generosity looks like in community and what generosity does not look like in community. But again, as I said before, our generosity isn't just within our community. It's not just a thing we do, it should permeate from everywhere, from all of us. And what I've seen in the past is there's this understanding that, okay, I get it. I hear you, Zach. I can be generous to those around me because I see them and I know them, right? I can be generous with those. And even if I'm not thinking about it, there's the potential for them to pay it back. But what believers are called to 
And that generosity is said not to just stop within our local body, but we're also called to be generous outside of our community. Let's look at Philippians 4, 10 through 20. I'll read it for us and then we'll dig right in. I rejoice, and this is Paul speaking, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I am speaking, of, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned at whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was very kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Our generosity should extend past our community. What we're seeing here is the fact that the church at Philippi supported Paul. Paul was not a member of that church. Paul was not a part of that community. Paul was a missionary. But they supported missions. And if it's not clear, because Paul doesn't just come out and say money, but he says, I rejoice greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now I am speaking of being in need. He's obviously speaking to resources. See, it's not enough for a believer to be generous with those around you. Our generosity should extend to those that are not around us. Our generosity should extend to giving within ministry. See, this might come as a shock, but money is important for ministry. Money is important everywhere. But a believer, and, and I've, heard it, I've heard it said, the, the verse is always thrown out, and, and I, I'm not disputing it, but it says, okay, guys, I got to start in Jerusalem. I got to then go to Samaria, then the ends of the earth, right? So I got to start here at home. And okay, cool, we can get behind that. But usually that verse is thrown out as a way of not going to the ends of the earth. Because it's funny, a lot of times when I hear that, you look at someone and, and 10 years later, they're still trying to support Jerusalem. It's called to extend to the ends of the earth. And here we have Philippians, the church of Philippi supporting Paul. See, money is called the root of all evil. But when we look at it, and if we really look at ourselves, our attitude towards money 
is where the problem lies. Like our attitude towards money can be powerful in our lives. Are we carefree and generous with our money? Trusting God to meet our needs? Or are we possessive and fearful? The issue is not with money itself, but it's how we interpret money, how we feel about money. You know, as Rachel and I were, were talking the other day about generous people in our lives, two of the most generous people that we, we named were not even believers. They were not even Christians. Two of the most generous, they would drop anything to help you. They would give and not expect anything in return. Financially, of themselves, it didn't matter. We're not even believers. But here I am saying that, that there's a difference in that. How, how is that even possible? If we're called, is there really a difference between Christianity and philanthropy? There is. Our giving must point back to Christ. We don't give just to give. We give, well, I'll, I'll, say, it, I'll, I'll say it the way, I'll quote Walter Hansen. He, he says it better than I could. The central focus on God transforms the transaction of giving and receiving among Christians from a human horizontal exchange to a divine human triangular exchange. It makes it, it takes it to the next level from it being horizontal human to human to a triangular interaction. If we think about the, the dynamic, if you've ever heard anything about Christian marriage, that should not be new to you, right? We would say that there is a difference, that, that the marriage outside of Christianity can have similar quality, similar qualities to a marriage that is a Christian marriage. But a Christian marriage is different. Whereas an outside marriage is just between two people, a Christian marriage is between two people and God. It's a triangular interaction. Hansen goes on to say, God initiates the giving. He empowers the giver, supplies the gifts, and meets the needs. Our giving is different because it has to point back to Christ. If it's not about Jesus, it's not Christianity. I'll say that again. If it's not about Jesus, it's not Christianity. Paul goes on in verses 11 to 13, and he points out that his gratitude was not motivated by desperation because he knows to be content. And what's interesting to me is he's talking about his needs. He's not, he's not leading it to believe. Basically, his argument is that I know to be content. I may go hungry, but I know, but I have my strength through Christ. He takes that verse that, you know, he must have got from all of our high school lettermans about I can do all things through Christ that, that who strengthens me. And he says, hey, I can, I can be content without in starvation because of Christ. He robbed us, right? 
we clearly know how that verse should be used. See, Paul points out that his delight in this, that one, that, that he's content in all situations, that he knows what it is to have much and to have none. But he does not say that they are not meeting his needs. He is grateful for their, their generosity. He goes on to, and I think this is the pastor heart in Paul. Paul cares about them like a pastor cares about them. He cares about their growth. And he points out that, that his delight in this is not simply in the gift, but in the, in the gift that they are giving, in the reward that they are going to receive because of their gifts. See, our generosity is an offering before God. Let's look at verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Now, I don't know what this means fully. It doesn't go on to tell us what exactly this means. What we can gather from the scripture is he's talking about the fruit in the sense of their, their crown in heaven, right? That, that God sees it and that their blessing in heaven is, is greater. I don't know what this means from a, uh, he doesn't give us that, what it is from a, um, like I give a dollar here and I get $2 back later, right? This isn't a, a, a pitch to the prosperity gospel. This isn't saying that if you are generous, that you're not going to go hungry, right? That you're not going to suffer in this life. But what it is saying is, is that God sees it and that there are fruit that increases to your credit. He goes on to say that the generosity is an act of worship. Look at verse 18. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So I'm not going to dig fully into the sacrificial system, right, in the Old Testament. But what we see in the Old Testament is that sacrifices were given as an offering to God, right? Like after the flood... Noah gave an offering, a burnt offering to the Lord. We see that in Exodus 29, that Aaron and his sons were instructed to burn the whole ram as an offering towards God. What scripture is telling us is that our generosity, that we don't have to go out and kill a lamb and burn it in our backyard to be an offering towards the Lord. That he accepts our generosity to one another and our generosity to those outside the church as an offering. He goes on to say it's a sacred offering. That God loves it. It's pleasing to him. God is the great giver. God meets our needs. Paul ends this section of Philippians by, by telling us that. 
God and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. When we look at scripture, nowhere in the Bible can we we draw a conclusion and say that God is stingy. That God is not generous with us, right? Matthew, one of my, one of like the things that, one of the sections of scripture that makes me laugh the most, and I don't think it's just because it's funny, I think it's just because of how my like twisted mind interprets it. Matthew 7, 11, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? And he uses the example of who would give their son a stone when they ask for bread, or who would give them a snake when they ask for fish? That's just funny to me. I mean, because it's like, oh, here's a snake, you know, hey, I'm hungry, can I have a fish? Okay, I guess that's just on me. No one else laughs, so. But no, that's not. And, and he goes on to clarify, if you who are evil, if you who are sinful will take care of your children, how much more generous will God, who is not evil, who is not sinful, take care of you, will love you? If we are representations of Christ on earth, earth, what does it say about our God when we're stingy? What does it say about our God when we, we are fearful and we don't trust because so we have to hoard up our savings where we see people in need? In fact, if we look at Scripture, God gave us the ultimate gift, the gift that is without measure of its value. He sacrificed his own son. For that anybody that would believe, that would put their faith in him, could be a part of that family. God withheld nothing from us. As we, as we are looking at this and as we are understanding this, again, generosity is not something that's easy. And I'm not saying that it is. It only is through the power given to us by the generous God that we serve that we are able to live this way.